0: Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9, KDAL. It is 10:12 Tuesday morning. 15th day of August, 2023, Bruce Siski show on KDAL. Great to have you along. Uh, we got some headlines to run through. We'll do that in a little bit. Lots to get to. Lots to cover in this uh, hour here, including the Twins, who do open that series against Detroit tonight. Perhaps we talked about the potential lineup conundrum for Rocco Baldelli. That might be here. We'll see if uh, Royce Lewis is activated off the injured list tonight. That could happen tonight, tomorrow. Or they might wait till the weekend series with the Pirates, starting on Friday night at Target Field. Twins play twelve out of fourteen at home, uh, starting with Detroit tonight, six forty start time. Billy Ober versus Alex Fajuto, the pitching matchup, and the Twins just looking to get on solid ground against the team, the Tigers, that has clinched the season series already as they play the final two games of said season series at Target Field here, uh, starting this evening. Uh, both the Twins and Guardians idle last night, so Minnesota's division lead still sitting at four and one half games entering play tonight. Over six and six, 3.4. Vaito, uh, two and four, should say, 5.8 for the Tigers. Then tomorrow we will not be on because Brad's on at 10 tomorrow ahead of an eleven thirty pregame, noon first pitch. Kentomaida, three and seven, 3.97 up against uh, Reese Olsen for the Tigers, two and five, 4.45, and both of his wins this year have come. Against the Twins, including a gem, six innings, two hits, no runs, and a victory over the Twins in Detroit last week. UMD football team is now 16 days away from the season opener, August 31st, at Miloski Stadium here on KDAL versus Northern Michigan. Had a chance last week to catch up with the Bulldogs head coach, Kurt Weezy. For you, you first week of practice here, level of excitement, getting the guys back, getting on the field, and, and really kind of sinking into that preparation for August 31st.
1: Yeah, it's been good. You know, the, the summers are short. Um, recruiting was relatively intense here this summer. But having all the guys back on campus the first part of August and seeing their excitement for, you know, anticipation for an upcoming season is, is always fun. That's why you live for it. So it's been a, it's been a good first week of practice so far. Um, you know, we, we have some older guys that have quite a bit of experience. Have added some transfers to our to our roster that I think are going to help us out and fit in well and give us the first opportunity to look at our incoming freshmen as well.
0: How how active is is the transfer system in Division Two? We hear all the time about Division One. It's it, it feels like it's almost crazy at the Division One level and, and pretty much all the sports. How, how's it been at Division Two?
1: Yeah, it's not any different. It really isn't. There's just a trickle down effect, so you, you see it more in the media with some of the bigger names and the guys that are. You know, maybe the stars at at the bigger schools, but for the most part, um, we're in the same mix. You know, we're we're monitoring it every day as far as other schools in our league and in our area, and then kids that maybe we lost out in in the recruiting process with to track those guys, so that if they would jump into the transfer portal and we would need to have a need in that area, we could have an opportunity to target those guys. So it's been um, it's been interesting. I think it's it's something that you need to continue to adapt to um, you know we, we look at the recruiting process right now for incoming freshmen and that's a seven to eight to nine month period uh, where you're building relationships with those kids and those in the families and then the transfer portal comes down to you know maybe seven or eight hours where you have a chance to talk to a kid up on zoom hop on facetime contact their coaches to find out about them make them make them an offer otherwise those kids are usually picked up so it's It's expedited to say the least
0: we we talk all the time about the importance of character and and you guys are you when you're recruiting, you are constantly trying to figure out is is this is this young man a good fit for for our program and our culture? How difficult is that with a transfer because you you just said you you don't have a few hours sometimes to get to know a player and make a decision on a player
1: it is uh, and that's that's the terrible part about this entire process is you could end up bringing in a kid that could tear your, your culture down and, and, and ruin your locker room real quick. And I think a lot of that is you you need to trust in your staff, you need to trust in your upperclassmen and the guys that have been around your program to filter that out, that if we do end up getting a, a bad seed in the locker room, that it's to our attention immediately. So we, we've been very, very fortunate here um, that we haven't, gotten you know anybody that that wasn't what we anticipated when they got here as far as the character so we do our best to vet you know every kid that comes in definitely incoming freshmen but transfers as well you know there you can find out a lot in a couple hours these days and we do our best to make sure that we're we're getting the right kids on campus
0: Talking to the football coach, Kurt Weezy. So when you and I visited over the off season, we talked about the, the challenges that last season brought from an injury standpoint and, you know, ha- you know next man up mentality and, and having four different quarterbacks that you had to use. And, and eventually Kyle Wall-Jasper seizing that job. And, you know, for you as, as the guy who was also the quarterback coach, How much better did Kyle Wall-Jasper get in turn, a run-first guy, and he's probably always going to be a run-first guy, but as a thrower, how much did he improve as he got more and more experience?
1: He's he's improved a ton. You know, spring practice was really good for Kyle, having a chance to have him in in some action to be able to drop back and, and see the field in this fall camp so far. he's he's made really big strides and that's, that's on him. You know, he's worked for it this summer. He worked last off season to make sure he developed as a passer. Um, Yeah. The, the, the team last year, you know, boy, we had a potentially as good a a football team and as mature a team and the character, everything was in place for us last year to have a chance to make a run. And, and we got dinged up, you know, we, we, we lost the, the guys we couldn't afford to lose really early on the season. We were able to hold on to an eight and three year, but in the same sense, you know, that's, that's not our goal, that's not our standard, and we aim to be better than that this fall.
0: You know, with Kyle coming in and, and taking over as you know, kind of spur of the moment like he had to because of the injuries, and then you also had lost to Carmichael, eventually lost Byron Bynum as well. How challenging was it for him to, to have to go in there and, and learn on the fly and also not have those top targets always available for him?
1: Yeah, sometimes those are a little bit of a pacifier for quarterbacks to be able to put the ball in the air and have a Armani Carmichael be able to go get be able to go with the ball. So that was tough. It really was. You know, we needed to I think Chase Vogler and, and Lauren Ensley, our run game coordinator and NOC, those guys did a really good job adapting and, and making sure that we managed the games probably better than we would have needed to had we had the the guys that could stretch the field in the game for us so Kyle did a good job I think he's a super heady quarterback Uh, he continues to develop he's he's I think the the biggest thing for him right now is he's become a, a very good leader in our locker room he's really good in the quarterback meeting room helping other guys out and continuing to learn himself
0: and that it says a lot too that that this guy's a captain as a sophomore. That's not something you see all that often in many sport.
1: No, it and since I've been here, I think sixteen years, we we haven't had that happen as far as a sophomore captain uh, in my tenure. So it says a lot. I think it's you know it, that's a two way street. I think we're we're young at some of the skill positions um, on the offensive side of the football, and and we don't you know we don't have a lot of older guys. Um, that maybe would have taken some of those boats potentially away from Kyle. But he's also earned that respect, I think, from his teammates.
0: As we look ahead here to 2023, uh, you know something I wanted to ask you, because you're the head coach, you see everything on this team. You did have a lot of injuries last year. You had a lot of guys that stepped into different roles. Maybe one or two guys besides Kyle that that, that you saw last year step up when they had to that could become big factors for you with that added experience here into 2023.
1: Yeah, uh well I think on the offensive side starting with Sam Pitts, Sam's a tight end for us. Um he was he was our other tight end with Zach Ogile last year who had a terrific season, but Sam's a guy that played in a in a multiple role spot last fall, continued to get better at the tight end position, that we're we are going to move all over the field this year and, and use some of the experience that he was able to gain uh, from last fall, all of our backfield. we got four guys coming back that all have experience. They've all had carries outside of Jalen McKnight, um, but all four of those guys are have had had opportunities and have had bright spots, uh, so those guys are going to need to be able to carry us. And I think defensively, Marcus Glodowski, I think that guy just maturity-wise from where he was three, four years ago in our program and... You know, he became a playmaker for us last year. He becomes a captain for us this fall, and he has really turned things on as far as being a leader on our team away from the field, that kind of stuff. He's been a bright spot for us and excited to see Marcus lead us in the in the back half here this fall
0: it is not easy to construct an offensive line when you lose an all-american and brent lang who's now with the new york jets and and doing what he can to make that team out of training camp but it's not like the the offensive line cupboard is bare you've got experience you've got a lot of guys that have a lot of starts and and this is a group it it feels like because you're younger at the skill positions you'll need that offensive line to be big for you how much does that does that group excite you going in this season
1: yeah, we're, we're going to need to lean on those guys. Um, we returned four guys with a lot of experience on our offensive line, and a couple of those guys are first-team all-conference guys last fall. So um, I think the, the new face in that mix is going to be Joey Grillo, from a kid from Lakeville North that played a little bit for us last fall, and then potentially Kate Constrode who's a Deer River kid. Both those guys have had a lot of lot of uh, opportunity here this fall camp, and we're going to need, need to lean on that group um, this fall to be able to control the clock and keep our defense off the field as much as we can.
0: You mentioned, Marcus, on the defensive side. You, you know, What do you think about the, the, the experience you've got back uh, on the defensive side of the ball going into the year?
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe as deep a defense as we've had in a long time. Our secondary worth three to four safeties deep. Uh, we've never been three to four safeties deep. Uh, help, Helping, out know, being led by by Tim Volkernowski back there, a kid from Quokkays. Tim's been a two-sport athlete and just a, a staple, just an all round athlete, jack of all trades back there. Linebacker-wise, you know, we return Brad Dottie, who was coming off a relatively severe injury last year, who's getting better each day with fall camp, and at, at some point we'll see him... Early on this fall, Landon Carter, Drew Hennessy, Nate Bursch, all those guys up front. So we're deep on our, at our defense right now. The challenge is, you know, on the practice scripting is making sure our defensive guys that are our twos and threes are getting enough reps to continue to develop those guys because they deserve them and, and we're going to need those guys this fall.
0: With Tim Polkernowski, you know, leadership and, and what he brings in the back end, how much better it, did he get last year? It felt like he really took a step for you
1: couldn't uh say anything you know better about tim he is our secondary coach has thanked our baseball coach here three days in a row of hey we we appreciate your outfielder and and your swiss army knife on the baseball field playing in our secondary he's he's a pleasure to coach it really is he tim comes out with a smile on his face he competes every day uh he's he's somebody he's a definition of a gym rat he just enjoys being athletic and and competing and, and being a leader so Tim's going to play a big role for us this year. May see some return game out of him as well. Uh, but, yeah, Tim Pokernowski's had a, a terrific career. To do it as a two-sport athlete in baseball and football, be on the bus all spring, miss spring baseball, or I'm sorry, spring football, to play baseball in the summer, to train for football in the summer, and get back on the bus in the fall, still get a collegiate degree is not an easy thing to do.
0: Are we going to try to squeeze some extra eligibility out of him? Is there a way we can like petition for more?
1: Well, I think when you hit the age of 30 and you've been in college <laughs> the whole time, at some point they're going to kick us out. So I think this might be it for Tim, but we look forward to a good season for him.
0: Uh, up front, you know, again, we, we, the depth you have and, and the guys that you were able to play last year and, 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 you know, just the way that you guys play defense, that defensive line is so important.
1: It is. Those guys will be led by Nate Burst this year. Um, Drew Hennessy, who is coming off an injury, Landon Carter was a little bit nicked up last year. Brian Kahn's on our defensive front. Um, you know, we're we're eight nine guys deep right now on our defensive front that all have very good movement skills. They do a very good job rushing the passer. We're good enough against the run game right now. So that's gonna be an exciting group to to watch. I think the quarterback playing our league this year is going to be a notch better than it was last year, which is which is all was already pretty good. And getting after the quarterback, giving those guys, you know, different looks on the on the defensive front is going to be very important.
0: What about special teams? Uh, you know, returning guys on, on, you know, your specialists that that's always huge at, at this level of football. You know, what do you think of your special teams and the potential they have this year?
1: Yeah, we re- we returned uh, Logan Cobus as our punter. Logan Logan's the top twenty punter in the country when he came to UMD a couple of years ago. He's got a tremendous leg, a big-time leg. He just wasn't consistent enough last fall to maybe garner, uh, you know, the, the all-conference, all-American-type numbers. But I think he'll get there this fall. He's back as a junior force. And then Curtis Cox comes back as a senior, has had a good fall camp. He's going to be pushed um, by a freshman, Drew Henson. That's, uh, Otto, That's a kid out of Oatana. That's a good kicker as well. So, it's going to be important to have those guys, you know, to continue to, to bring those guys along and play the field position game and make sure when we have opportunities for field goals that, that we're, we're hitting home with those.
0: Talking to UMB football coach Kurt Weezy. So as we look ahead and we're inside of three weeks here to opening night, uh, to August 31st at home, Northern Michigan. It's a non-conference game. Your offensive coordinator, Chase Volger was your quarterback the last time you played a non-conference regular season game. For you as a coach, is, is this exciting to, to go into the year with, with an unfamiliar opponent coming coming into your stadium for opening night?
1: Yeah, we like it a lot. I think, well, number one, Northern, Northern Michigan is going to be a quality opponent. They're from a, a very good league. Um, and I think it's fun for our guys. It's fun for the players and the fans to see somebody that we haven't seen for the last 12, 13 years. So um, we anticipate a, a competitive game. I, I think they're they lost their coaching staff at the end of last fall. They've had a lot of transition, but traditionally they've been a, a pretty good football program. I know our athletic director, Forrest Carr, came from northern Michigan. So it, it's going to be a an interesting night for him. I think seeing his his old team out on the field against his, his new team. So um, but yeah overall i think it's a great thing for a league it's a great thing for a conference to be able to at the end of the season look at the playoff opportunities and see some outside competition and truly be able to evaluate and assess where you're at as a as a league
0: was there ever any study done Was there any research done did you guys ever maybe figure out if if, if the insular schedule is hurting the conference as you got toward playoff time or or was it maybe not having much of an effect at all
1: I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. I think you're you know, the strength of schedule does come into into play, but at the end of the day, we can talk strength of schedule all we want. If we didn't play any outside opponents, nobody really knows how good anybody in the league is. And obviously over the last fifteen years we've had some really good teams in the league between us and Mankato, you know, making making deep runs in the national playoffs. Bemidji was there last year. Um so that it Sioux Falls has been there, Augie's been there and I think League-wise, we've proven we can hang with the rest of the country, but seeing somebody outside of our conference is important.
0: Obviously, this was made possible by Upper Iowa leaving. That got you down to 15 teams. Has the league said anything going forward? Is this a year-to-year deal at this point? and or, or have you been able to schedule non-conference beyond this year?
1: Yeah, we, we have uh, our, our games mapped out, I believe through 2026 maybe, um, but it, I mean, with collegiate athletics right now, who the heck knows who's going to be here next week at this point. So we're, we're excited to open up against Northern Michigan, and we know what we got this fall, and, we, and we'll go from there.
0: I suppose you guys could be in the Big Ten by the time we get to 2026. Who knows? You never
1: know. Boy, I'll <laughs> tell you what, I'd need a couple more zeros on my salary if that's the case.
0: You no know, question about it, uh, it, it. It's, But yeah, it, it's kind of cool, though, to, to have somebody different coming in here, and, and it, it is. Uh, hopefully it's exciting for the fans, too.
1: I think so. Uh, again, it's, I, mean, I think it'll be good for Northern Michigan fans. They have a lot of Northern Wisconsin kids and UP kids and um, for their fans and their parents to have a, a game relatively close that's a non-conference game will be a lot of fun.
0: Head coach of the UMV football team is Curt Weezy. Of course, we do have a lot of local fall sports getting underway and we'll have a lot to come with that the next couple of weeks on the radio show. Going to cram a lot in here the, uh, the next two weeks as I'm off the last week of August, but uh, we're going to get a bunch of, of coaches on the air already have confirmed. The Saints Scholastica, UWS soccer coaches on the men's side, Barry Chasty and uh, Joe Mooney, respectively, next week. Uh, Yellow Jacket volleyball coach Lynn Diedrich will be with us, I uh, think, at some point next week as well. Still working on other coaches from uh, all the uh, local colleges as we get ready for the fall sports season. And high school football is underway in Wisconsin on friday i know i'm not ready for it either but we'll try to do that later on this week on the radio show as well it, i don't know what happened it's like all of a sudden it's all here everybody's practicing now oh we got game's coming up it's great 10:31. we're still gonna enjoy the summer around here got some headlines to get to we'll talk some baseball some football as well tuesday morning bruce Siski show continues on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Graham. We continue with our 14 team Big Ten preview sponsored by Lando Lakes. We'll look at the Purdue Boilermakers after this.
1: There is a land where anything is possible, where soul, soil, and science work wonders every day. A land that values bravery and curiosity, where the truth is the official language. And here, we put our all into feeding human progress to making a positive impact. This is a land of honesty, of optimism, of possibilities. This is Land O Lakes, proud sponsor of Gopher Athletics.
0: Tanner Hoops previews the 2023 Purdue Boilermakers. Following an 8-6 and season which saw Purdue qualify for the Big Ten championship game, head coach Jeff Brom departed for Louisville. In came Ryan Walters, who couldn't be more excited for his first head coaching opportunity to come in the Big Ten. To be able to to sit in front of you guys as the uh, head coach at Purdue, um, definitely a, a humbling experience. Um, I've known for a long time that I, that I wanted to be a head coach one day. I remember uh, sitting in a staff meeting as a student assistant in 2009 at the University of Colorado, um, and Dan Hawkins is running the, the, the show there. And I just remember that, that first staff meeting saying, you know, man, I, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. Walters gave some insight as to what Purdue fans can expect from his team. We're going to air it out and, and be creative in the run game on offense, um, and we'll be aggressive and, and strategic um, and try to create chaos for the quarterback on defense um, to, to try to eliminate the, you know, explosive plays and keep points off the board. Um, I, you know, hopefully that will be a, a formula for winning, winning football. Purdue opens the 2023 season at home September 2nd against Fresno State. The Boilermakers will welcome the Gophers to town on Saturday, November 11th. Tomorrow, we'll preview the Michigan Wolverines on the Golden Gopher Daily Update, sponsored by Lando Lakes, longtime supporter of Golden Gopher football. I'm Mike Graham. AM 610, KDAL, news, weather, sports. We're running late. Get to the news here at 1037. More to come. Check some headlines. play some football. I haven't been here. I haven't had a chance to talk with Jordan Love. We'll do that. As we roll along this Tuesday morning, I'll set you up for the rest of the week. All that to come. CBS News, though, up next, 1038 on KDAL.
1: The Bruce Siski Show. heard you're having money problems. No, you didn't. Listen, I got the answer. You declare bankruptcy, all your problems go away. How would that help, Creed? In Monopoly, you go bankrupt, you lose. You don't go by Monopoly, man. That game is nuts. Nobody just picks up get-out-of-jail-free cards. Those things cost thousands. That is a good point. Bankruptcy, Michael is nature's do-over. It's a fresh start, it's a clean slate. On
0: 610 and War. FM 103.9, KDAL. 10:43, Tuesday morning. Great to have you with us. A uh, no show tomorrow. We are Preempted because Brad Bennett sound off 10 o'clock ahead of a Twins game at noon tomorrow versus Detroit to wrap up this quick two-game series, 11.30 for the coverage on that. Uh, we are back on Thursday, uh, taping conversations tomorrow with Northwestern football coach Jovan Kroll, Superior Head Coach Bob Meyer. Uh, you'll hear those probably Thursday, maybe one Thursday, one Friday. We'll see how it all plays out, but... Uh, Those are coming up later on this week, and then we are extremely busy next week. The voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, is with us next week. The commissioner of the NCHC, Heather Weems, on the radio show next week. Got a full week next week, and then a bunch of local coaches going to get mixed in there as well. Monday through Friday, 10 to 11, be here uh, for that here on KDAL. Mention, I've not been here. It took the long weekend, and thank you to Dave for helping out yesterday, but... I didn't get a chance to talk about Jordan Love it all. So I typically will watch a preseason football game up until a point that there's a player on the field that I don't know who that is. And, okay, we're done. I made it a point to, to check out most of Friday's game, the Packers and Bengals. Um, what else is I Oh, I was flipping back and forth between the, the Fox affiliates and my Apple TV app because I was watching Minnesota United. They got smoked by Nashville. In the League's Cup quarterfinal, so I checked out of that late in the first half, and I went back to the Packers game and stuck with that pretty much for the duration. And I'm kind of glad I did. I I saw a lot of things, and you, you don't want to overreact to a preseason game, but I saw things that I liked. I thought the offensive line, for the most part, no matter who was out there, played really well. The pass protection was very good for the majority. Yeah, there were some hiccups. That's gonna happen. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get a perfect blocking grade on every play you run. Yeah, the other team's pretty good too. Uh, the offensive line I thought played very well. Uh, running backs all had moments to shine. The Emmanuel Wilson story. If you haven't looked into that, uh, undrafted rookie Division two kid that they uh, brought in here this spring, and I don't know if he's gonna make this team or not. But man alive, that was great. He said it was the 14th anniversary of his father's passing. He scores two touchdowns in his first NFL game. Yes, I know it's preseason, but an 80-yard scamper that the NFL put out on the social media channels, and that's a really cool moment for that young man. Whether he makes this team out of training camp or not is almost irrelevant at this point because he got to have that moment, and on a very significant day for him and his family, that's cool. But Jordan Love was the big story, and... Yeah, 7-10, 46 yards at a touchdown, it's nothing to write home about. I understand that. A lot of shorter throws, kept it simple, but a lot of that is the function of what Matt LaFleur's offense is supposed to be. If you look back at last season, the Packers threw an inordinate number of passes, whether it be running back screens, tight end screens, wide receiver screens, that were behind or very close to the line of scrimmage. And it was it was an it's an offense that's built to to generate a lot of yak, yards after catch. That's what they were going for. At least that's what it seems like the function of the offense is. Uh from having listened to the the playmaker or the play caller series, sorry, on on the athletic app with their Rams writer Jordan Rodriguez, she went around and she talked to Matt LaFleur. She talked to Sean McVay of the Rams and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, Mike McDaniel. In Miami, Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. All these guys are kind of the Shanahan disciples that are running a very similar offense. And one thing it talks a lot about in that podcast series is they've spun this offense. Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota is another example. They've spun the offense to fit, A, how they want to run it because they're not all the same guys. They're not all the same people in terms of how they think football. So how they want to run it, and the personnel that they have at their disposal with the team that they're coaching at this immediate moment in time. Kevin O'Connell's offense is built a lot around Justin Jefferson. It's In its base, it's the same offense the Packers run. The Packers' offense was built around Aaron Rodgers for Matt LaFleur's first three years. Now it's going to be built around a whole different uh, – the slew of young skill talent they have. A running game with Jones and Dillon – so Jordan Love's not going to be asked to do the same things that Kirk Cousins is asked to do, nor should he be. He's a different quarterback, a different skill set with different players around him than Justin or than uh, Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson and the outstanding players the Vikings have at the skill positions. The Packers are a little more unproven there, so the offense is built differently. I thought it functioned pretty well with love at the controls on Friday night. And obviously they're showing a lot of very basic stuff. They're not doing they're not doing their A-level stuff. But there was one, the, the touchdown pass, and they touched on this on the broadcast uh, on Fox 21 via the Packers TV network. That play that they ran, the, the, the love the Dobbs touchdown on the second series of the game, was a play that they ran in the joint practice with the Bengals on Wednesday. When they ran it on Wednesday... Christian Watson was open one-on-one in the end zone. When they ran it on Friday, the Bengals doubled Watson. Extra attention. That left Dobbs one-on-one. So Love had to recognize his primary reads getting doubled. I'm going to go to the other guy. And he makes a perfect throw to to Romeo Dobbs who makes the catch for a touchdown. Little thing like that. It's, It's not a major thing. It's a little thing when you're running your basic stuff but it was something I noticed, and and they talked about it. I thought, okay, that's good. He had a bad throw on the first series. He had Musgrave wide open, about ten yards downfield on a third down play, would have been a first down and a lot more probably because there was nobody close to him, and he overshot him. He just threw it over. Now that could be nerves. It could it, it, he it, a lot of different things. The reality is he made a bad throw. You know who else made a lot of bad throws last year? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> just saying. So it happens. And I thought he rebounded in that second series. He showed the command. It looks like the guys respect him. These are all important things. This is a big week for Jordan Love. The Packers and the Patriots in for joint practices. Uh, Tomorrow and Thursday, the Vikings have the Titans in at their facility tomorrow and Thursday. So uh, big days for – big weeks for both these teams as they try to work with their number one players and getting things installed the way that they want them installed for 2023. But for Green Bay, you got Bill Belichick visiting. You got Jordan Love at quarterback. This is a – to me, a huge week for Jordan Love to continue to show a command of this offense – against a guy who's not going to mess around defensively in Bill Belichick. That'll be interesting to see if – and then, two to see if Love plays in that preseason game on Saturday. 1050, wrap it up in a moment. Bruce Sisky, show six ten one zero three nine kdal Coast to coast. They're right there in front of them. They don't see them. Late nights on KDAL. 1059, as we wrap things up on this Tuesday morning. We are not on tomorrow. Brad and Kenny with sound off at 10 tomorrow ahead of a Twins game at noon, pregame 1130 for the Twins and Detroit Tigers to wrap up that two-game series of Target Field, so enjoy that. I'm back Thursday. We'll be here Thursday, Friday. Talk some high school football as the season gets underway in Wisconsin. Superiors Bob uh, Demire and Northwestern's Joven Kroll. Sound off after CBS News. Have a great Tuesday. Thank you for listening, everyone. This has been the Bruce Sisky Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Sisky Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well.